The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 23rd College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Banditos' fresh made daily kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. A great season for the Fighting Irish requires a great win over USC. In 1973, in a top-10 matchup, it was Luther Bradley's tone-setting hit on Lynn Swan and then Eric Pinnock's 85-yard touchdown run that led to a 23-14 win. The spark from that game turned into an inferno that burned until New Year's Eve and the Battle of New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl that year. Number one, Alabama went down that night, and the Irish were number one. In 1977, USC was ranked fifth in the nation. But then a student-built Trojan horse showed up, and Dan Devine brought the green jerseys out, and USC didn't have a chance. Between Joe Montana's passing and Bob Golick's tackling, the Irish dispensed of USC 49-19. That win showed something special was happening in South Bend, And a few weeks later, after dominating number one Texas in the Cotton Bowl, the Irish were crowned national champions. In 1988, the Irish were ranked number one and USC number two when Tony Rice, Rocket Ismail, and Mark Green provided offensive firepower and Frank Stans and Stan Smagala defensive muscle and the Irish won 27-10. A few weeks later, the Irish carried that momentum into the Fiesta Bowl took care of West Virginia to claim another national crown. In 2019, the Irish have carved out a narrow path that could once again lead to a great season and a role in the national title picture. But as usual, a big obstacle on that path is the University of Southern California. And Saturday night in prime time, the eyes of the college football world will be on South Bend as the Irish and Trojans renew the greatest of all intersectional rivalries. Notre Dame, USC. Banditos with three Fort Wayne locations, Waynedale, Georgetown, and Glenbrook Commons. Banditos is fresh made daily. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight. From America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and ability provides peace of mind. Combining local expertise with access to national and international experts through their affiliation with BDO, the fifth largest accounting firm in the world. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning. The full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzburg. I don't endorse everybody, but I've found a company that I think provides a great service. 
The company is Shearer McCulloch, and what they do is targeted specifically for seniors, people who may be thinking about downsizing and are overwhelmed by the thought of what it's going to take. Shearer McCulloch will pack you up, move you, and then sell your house and everything that's left. Now that's the most comprehensive relocation service anywhere in what I call in sports terms covering all the bases. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They're looking to get top dollar from people who have an interest in the special treasures you've collected over the years. Shearer McCulloch is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms. If Sharon and I decide to make a change in lifestyle, we'll be calling Shearer McCulloch at 441 441- 8636. That's 441-8636. We trust them, and we know they'll make things easy and profitable. Coors Light presents a word from Kirk Herbstreet. It's Saturday morning, and that means it's time for college football. It means your fridge is filled with Coors Light. It means last night's pizza is this morning's breakfast. And washing it down with your first Coors Light of the day is worthy of an ah. It's Saturday morning, and it means showers are optional. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Tim Priester, it's you know it's hard to imagine, but the midseason portion of the schedule is at hand, and it's kind of a... You know, it's a two-game season almost for the Irish. It's going to be played out over three weeks. But let's go back to your expectations for this team and the the moments leading up to the Louisville game on that evening uh, back on Labor Day. Uh, and compare how you felt then about what you thought was going to happen and how you feel now after you've seen the team play for five games. I feel better about the team after having seen them play the last Three games. I think the interior defensive line has has really played well and is really progressing in the right direction. Surprised that Ian Book hasn't been sharper. Uh, not surprised that the ground game has struggled a little bit, uh, especially without Jafar Armstrong. Um, you know, I mean, defensively, the secondary's been as good as we thought, and the linebackers are way better than than I think anybody anticipated, perhaps outside of Clark Lee. Yeah, I, defensively, the linebackers and the defensive line play are the, the two things I didn't expect. And I think the offense is getting to where I expected it to be. But uh, And that may happen now with Jafar Armstrong coming back. Who knows? But uh, Ian Book's play has been just a bit below those expectations. And another question along those lines, though, Tim. Uh, preseason, you predicted 10-2. and two. Anything change in that prediction at this point? No, I, I wouldn't say so. Not that I... I mean, you know, when you—it's funny. When when this week started, it's like, holy cow! USC and Michigan are next, and I realize that USC and Michigan aren't at their typical level, but it's still USC and Michigan. Uh, and I, you know, as I sit here now, I I feel comfortable about picking a Notre Dame win. Uh, Michigan has struggled. That's probably a tougher game in two weeks, but Notre Dame's a better team. And then after that, Notre Dame clearly is better than everybody. Although that doesn't certainly in college football doesn't assure a win. So not really. I mean, I think, uh, um, you know, as I mentioned, some of the areas where they're better than anticipated, uh, some not, and that kind of evens out. So I'll stay with where I am right now. But if they're 11-1, and I certainly wouldn't be surprised. I agree that this team has played with great focus, and they have done what they what we thought they were going to do for the most part. And so I like them going into these games as favored. I think if they're favored, there's a reason, and they'll probably win. Now, Tim, 
the disparity in talent last week was so obvious. So the Irish, I guess, did exactly what they were supposed to do. They they won 52 to nothing. But is it possible to get a read on how good this team is or how they're improving against a team struggling like Bowling Green? Do you feel the Irish got anything out of the game? I think Ian Book gained some confidence, or he should have. He stood in the pocket. He probably got more time in the pocket than he would against most teams, but it was important that he did that and took advantage of those opportunities. I read way more into what happened against Georgia and Virginia than what happened last week. And so, you know, I just look at Bowling Green as a continuation of the two previous weeks, and all you can do is play the best you can on that day against that opponent, and they pretty much did that against Bowling Green. Well, they came out healthy, too. That was another good sign. And, uh, you know, I was looking ahead on schedules. So Bowling Green this year, and Bowling Green was actually pretty good when they were scheduled a few years back. They were one of the better MAC teams. They're not now. Uh, but next year, Western Michigan's on the schedule, and in, and in two years, uh, Toledo 2021. So more MAC teams uh, on tap for the Irish. Now, Tim, a scare after Bowling Green's first play of the game, Myron Tagiovoa Amosa laying on the turf injured, and I was like, whoa, that's not good. Now, he returned to action, so that's the good news. Uh, and he has been playing at a high level, and he seems to have gotten better every game. What is it about his game that has impressed you? You're right, Phil. I mean, he has become really good, and I had an opportunity to speak with him this week. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I asked him about stamina because it seemed to me as I as I'm rewatching the game the man you know he's got a great motor and he's he, certainly he's spelled by Jason Adamiola at times but his, his, his stamina seems a lot better when I brought that up he just kind of laughed out loud that and, and I and I hit a nerve there because he had he he knows he has improved tremendously in that aspect he can just play you know 100 miles an hour every snap and I think it shows he's penetrating gaps better he's a better pass rusher we hadn't seen him be able to really crease gaps the way he has the last few games, um, you know, and the stamina issue. And he's just a, he's a pretty talented player to begin with. And now that some of those things are kicking in, along with Kurt Heinisch, and Kurt Heinisch since the Georgia game is a much better football player than he was against Louisville and New Mexico. So, you know, great progress on the inside. Obviously, we know with the, the pass rush with Julian O'Quara, picking up the pace, uh, Jameer Jones picking up the pace in the absence of Dalen Hayes. They've got a lot of things going well for them on that defensive line. Yeah, the in, in the interior especially where, where MTA plays is really gelling, and that's that's been fun to watch. Uh, and, and, of course, last year or last week, the Irish notched that shutout, the first in five years, and overall this defense is putting up some good defensive numbers nationally. Thirteenth uh, in points allowed. Uh, they played particularly strong in the second half of games, and particularly in the third quarter, which points to great halftime adjustments by Clark Lee. Uh, they're twelfth nationally in passing efficiency defense. Uh, well, lo and behold, the biggest challenge this week: uh, the three-headed monster from USC. And considering the loss uh, of Sean Crawford two weeks ago. Break down the pass defense, the back, the back four, the back five. If they're in the in the nickel or dime, Tim for uh, the Irish and just what they're going to need to do to slow down that USC pass defense. Yeah, offense. the loss of Sean Crawford's really significant this week. That that really hurts them. Um, but you know the safeties are the safeties. Gilman and Elliott have just been really, really good. You don't 
most of the time you don't notice Elliot. Uh, and in this instance, that's a good thing. I mean, he's just, he knows where to position himself. He knows how to play the pass. He understands the coverage. He understands what the opponent is trying to do to him. And he just kind of blends in um, and, and quietly makes plays. We see Gilman a little bit more. He's, he throws his body around a little bit more physically, but that's a great tandem. And then throwing Kyle Hamilton, it's really a quality trio corner. You know, Troy Pride has really not hit his stride. He's going to have to this week. Um, he's not a guy that's made nearly as many plays as we anticipated, but he also doesn't get he doesn't get beaten very often, and that all feeds into that pass efficiency. Tariq Bracey, I thought, played really well against Georgia. He, of course, is now in the lineup in, in place of Sean Crawford um, and, and struggled a little bit, I guess, uh, uh, against uh, Virginia, but he was—I didn't realize till I watched the game again how good he was against Bowling Green. So it's—it's it's really come together. But without Crawford, it's going to be a real challenge with that uh, with that trio of receivers that, that USC has. Well, they're going to complete passes and they're going to catch the ball. There's no doubt about that. Uh, tackling after the catch is going to be important, and uh, let's hope that the that pass rush. Uh, does what they're capable of, and I and I like Tariq Bracy. I think he's he's done a nice job, uh, and and having Kyle Hamilton to, to supplement those two safeties is is uh, phenomenal. He's he's really played well for a freshman. Now, Tim, offensive side of the ball, Ian Book last week, sixteen of 20, 261 yards, five touchdowns. Tim, did we see enough out of Book to conclude that he's back on track after an unspectacular September? I would say no. I don't think you can judge that against Bowling Green. Bowling Green is particularly awful against the pass. So uh, somebody asked me after the game, you know, Brian Kelly talked about striving for greatness. Are they great after the Bowling Green game? Well, you can't say that because of the opponent. But it was a step in the right direction. Now, if he can, I don't expect him to, to, to be 16 of 20 or have that kind of percentage against USC, but um, you know, this is a better test. They're not real uh, experienced in the secondary for USC, but they are filled with four and five-star talent back there. So this will be a good test. It was a step forward for him. Again, that's one of those opponents where all you can do is do the best that, that you're capable of against that opponent, and he did that. Well, I thought he looked a little more comfortable in the pocket. Part of that is because he wasn't under as much pressure. Uh, but you got to like the fact that, Ian now, I mean, the Irish have thrown 13 touchdown passes and only two interceptions on the season. So you minimize those mistakes. Uh, that's pretty good, and it should be good enough uh, to beat uh, teams of this caliber that we're facing in two out of the next three weeks. Overall, the rushing game seems to be rounding into shape. I really like what Tony Jones has done. He's pass-blocked well. Had his third 100-yard day against uh, Bowling Green, and I think that was done on only seven carries. Uh and now it looks like back from injury this week for at least uh, part-time duty, Jafar Armstrong. He enters the equation. How will that strengthen the run game? Well, he's a guy that, I mean, he's just got a little bit more burst. So you can he, he's capable of making more out of less uh, in terms of space to, to maneuver. Uh, I also think that, I, I said this earlier in, one, in our early, early in the week podcast, but I think we need to look at this more in terms of how many touches he gets as opposed to how many carries they, they would probably like him to get the ball in space a little bit more coming off the injury as opposed to just pounding between the tackles. But he'll do that too. They're not going to put him out there if he isn't healthy to play and he's capable of doing that. But 
this is where, I mean, you look at this offense now, and you have Komet, you have Armstrong, um, you know, you, you're, you're back, you have Michael Young back, you're back to the offense that, that everybody was so excited about uh, in the summer saying, hey, maybe they could average 40 points a game. I'm not saying that even with those guys, they're capable of doing that now. Um, but it's a lot closer to what was expected when we start analyzing the 2019 defense. Well, explosiveness. Offense, think, rather. Yeah, and explosiveness, I think, is what uh, this offense has been missing. And Jafar might bring that. And Jafar a really good pass receiver as well. Uh, but another aspect of the offense that has really gelled the last couple of weeks, and that's the use and the ability to use two t- effective tight ends, uh, Tommy Trimble and Cole Komet, both playing really well. How does that change the passing game, and how does the ability to put them both on the field change the running game? Well, certainly it impacts the passing game, of course. And Cole Komet has 15 receptions in the last three games, so he's he's very, very significant, and, and Tommy Trumbull has shown himself quite capable of of not only catching the ball, but now he's blocking well, too. I think it's significant. I think it's a significant part of this offense in this game. I, there's some give uh, there in that in that USC defensive front individually, there's a lot of talent, but collectively they're still giving up 4.5 yards per carry and 175 yards on the ground per game. So I think that, I think that two tight end look uh, could come into play here quite a bit and is really important to them, especially when you start thinking about how do you slow down their three big receivers? Well, one way is to keep them off the field. So if you can play a little ball control and that's not what, that's not something that Chip Long thinks a whole lot about going into the game plan, but this is this is one instance where if you can shorten the clock and keep uh, keep Vaughn and, and and St. Brown and Pittman off the field, uh, the better for the Irish. Well, it's one thing to take advantage of the blocking of two tight ends on the field and how it can impact the running game, but when those two tight ends can also catch the ball – well, what's a defensive coordinator to do? So I like that combination. Tim, let's talk about Loey Gilman. You wrote about him this week on irishillustrated.com uh, that the Irish captain who transferred from Navy after his freshman year had a choice to make uh, between Notre Dame or USC, and that's what his decision came down to when he was deciding where he was going to transfer. Tell us a little bit about that story and how did Gilman ultimately choose Notre Dame? I think it's pretty incredible when, you know, here's a, here's a Polynesian kid who chooses Notre Dame over USC. And he, and, and he even looked at, you know, the Manti tail thing and said, and they're from the same town, you know, I don't know that I want to have to follow him there. I want to carve my own path, but there clearly is a, a, a greater comfort zone at USC in terms of, you know, the Polynesian culture that, that, that permeates that program. And it would have been really easy it's a lot closer to home for him being from Hawaii. It would have been very easy for him to make that decision, but he visited Notre Dame and as he was coming to Notre Dame, he had really kind of already made up his mind that he wasn't going to attend Notre Dame, but then he got around the players and he felt like the players really uh, embraced them. And lo and behold, he ended up in Notre Dame instead of USC. Well, and it's amazing. One other comment I saw in your article was that Gilman Fully aware that USC had gone ten and three in 2016, and the Irish four and eight, but he decided that he thought that Notre Dame's prospects uh, going forward were better than USC's, and well, he was right. Uh, Tim, uh, 
we, we know that Notre Dame's going to need a lot of help to get back into the uh, college football playoff, even if they do win out. So they will need some help. But if the Irish do win out and don't make the college football playoff, is there a particular New Year's Day six bowl that the Irish are likely to end up in? I would say right now, as, as we as we stand, and that so much can happen, of course, is definitely the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl is headed up by a by a Notre Dame graduate who, who at every opportunity uh, he has to get Notre Dame there, uh, they will. So, yeah, I would definitely say the Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl, of course, is not among the, the playoff sites this year. They were last year. And so if Notre Dame, you know, even if Notre Dame goes 10-2, and two, I think they end up in the Orange Bowl. Okay, a trip back to South Beach doesn't sound all that bad to end the season. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero. Key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by our friends at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. This is the 331st edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Shine the light into my room. Treat each house as if it was your own. Our mission statement at Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Hi, I'm Jim Bushy. At Bushy's, we're proud of our home improvement products that we offer, and we are even more proud of the award-winning installers who will come to your home. Right now, take advantage of our 12-month 0% interest payment plan, and estimates are always free. So call Bushy's at 456-1247, stop into our showroom, or check out Bushy'sFW.com. Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Your clear choice. Your clear choice is Bushy's. Your clear choice is Bushy's. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. Dating back to November 21st, 2015, Notre Dame running backs have not lost a fumble in 1,211 carries, the longest active streak in the FBS. Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba is a full-service accounting firm dedicated to providing professional, personalized service and guidance for a wide range of financial and business needs. Hey, I'm Kirk Herbstreet, and I watch college football like it's my job. It is your job. I know, but sometimes I like to get out of the booth and chill. Here, have a Coors Light. Thanks. So, where was I? You're on my couch. In my spot. Oh, is this your spot? It's a nice spot. Great view. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The USC Trojans visit the number nine Irish this week. TV coverage on NBC starts at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons, we share your boating passion. And now we continue our series on the great defensive players of the last 60 years. Last week, 1977 consensus All-American Luther Bradley. This week, another great player from that era who, like Bradley, played on two national championship teams. 
Ross Browner, 6'3", 262 pounds, a ferocious pass rusher and tackler. Browner hailed from Warren, Ohio, and is one of the more decorated players in Notre Dame football history. Two-time All-American, Outland Trophy, Lombardi Trophy, Maxwell Award, and two-time UPI Lineman of the Year. And in a game where it is typically linebackers that get a lot of the tackles because the guys up front are doing their job, Browner combined size and speed to rack up 340 career tackles at Notre Dame. By far and away, the most of any defensive lineman ever at Notre Dame. Tim's sack totals were not kept at the time, but Ross Browner terrified quarterbacks, and his tackle numbers are remarkable for defensive linemen. All of this a testament to the dominant player that he was. He was so physically superior to everybody on the field from day one. He started as a freshman. He blocked a punt against Northwestern in his first game and uh, injured the poor punter for Northwestern, uh, put him out for the year. Yeah, he was just absolutely dominant. He grew into a tackle in the NFL, but when he came into Notre Dame, he was only like about 212 and just, you know, as you said, they didn't keep sack totals in. He would have, he would have set that record out of reach. And, you know, it was interesting to hear you say 340 tackles because I had forgotten about that. That is a phenomenal amount of stops for a defensive end. Absolutely. Bronner was inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame in 1999, and he was a first-round draft pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, had a 10-year pro career, and in Super Bowl sixteen, he set the all-time game record for tackles by a defensive lineman. There you go. Ross Browner, another Marina at Lake Gage, all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. Tim, USC is 3-2, and two, and they were off last week. In their last game, they lost to number 17 Washington, 28-14. to 14. Their best win is a 30-23 to 23 win over then-10th-ranked Utah. They also own a 45-20 to 20 win over Stanford. Despite the two losses, expect a huge upgrade in talent facing the Irish this week from last week. The Trojans have had quarterback issues this year due to injury, but true freshman Keaton Slovis is expected to be back after missing most of the last two games with a concussion. In the three games this year that Slovis has been at the controls of new USC offensive coordinator Graham Harrell's air raid offense, he has completed an impressive 78% of his passes on 77 attempts, good for 732 yards and five touchdowns. And USC is loaded with receivers, and their big three are the same as last year. Michael Pittman, Tyler Vaughns, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Those three combined last year for 29 catches and 305 yards in the Trojan 24-17 loss to the Irish. Pittman already this year has 35 catches good for 501 yards and four touchdowns. When the Trojans are not looking at those three pass catchers, the Trojans run the ball pretty well, and they have three solid backs. Vivai Malapai is getting most of the work with 360 yards on 79 carries with four touchdowns. But all that is good about the Trojan offense, they have been lousy in the red zone, and they're turning the ball over a lot, 13 times this season, including nine interceptions. On the other side of the ball, Brian Kelly had high praise this week for Trojan defense, but that defense is ranked 84th in total defense, 58th in scoring defense, and they are really young. Their secondary is talented, but in nickel, they will have four sophomores and a freshman on the field. Add to that two sophomores at linebacker and two sophomores and a freshman on the defensive line, 
And like I said, this defense is really young. Head coach Clay Helton is in his fifth season with the Trojans and is fighting for his job. He needs a win or his tenure might be over like real soon, Tim. The Irish are relatively big favorites, but this USC team has plenty of firepower to be competitive with anybody. What is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? We could talk about their receivers, but the receivers are going to get there. They did last year, and they lost, and they will again this year. There are so many other aspects, though, that where Notre Dame has the advantage. The most significant one is turnover margin, which is incredible after five games. Notre Dame's plus 10, USC's minus 7. So there's a 17 turnover differential. Uh, Notre Dame's great offensively in the red zone. USC is great defensively in the red zone. So we can point to a thousand things, but I think it comes down to this. Who's the more disciplined team? Who has the better chemistry? Whose players are playing for the guy next to them as opposed to uh, thinking about their head coach might get fired? The team with the better chemistry and discipline is Notre Dame. That's their key to victory. Discipline and chemistry. Just do your job. And I think we actually talked about that last week, and the Irish are capable of that. And that is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Well, defensively, I mean, let's talk about those receivers again because it will be a key aspect of the game, if not the ultimate deciding factor. But I think Troy Troy Pride needs to play a great game at cornerback for them, especially with Sean Crawford out. This is the type of game where he can really distinguish himself and show that he's capable of playing against, you know, the best of the best. Again, I could point to pass rush, which is going to be very important against a freshman quarterback. Uh, But I'm interested in seeing Troy Pride see if he can really rise to the occasion because he really hasn't uh, played to the level that even he himself expects uh, of himself. Well, a great opportunity for Troy Pride, and that is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the Injury Report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 19 Indiana locations. Tim, a couple of injuries of significance uh, a couple weeks ago, but I think the Irish came out pretty clean against Bowling Green. How did the Irish stand health-wise heading into Game 6? Yeah, they do, Phil. I mean, having uh, Young and and Komet and Armstrong back are are certainly key. Um, You know, not having Crawford is huge, but this is this is the healthiest they've been. They got John Muir Smith back last week. I don't know how much he'll play in this game, but um, here they are reaching the halfway point, and they're healthier at the halfway point than they were, you know, even in the preseason. So uh, things are definitely pointing up in that area. Yeah, really good injury report. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim Priester, Vegas has the Irish favored by 10.5 points over the Trojans. What does America's foremost authority say? This is a real battle of um, of the trenches. You know, again, we talk about receivers, but who who is better in the trenches? And I think with, with the way Notre Dame has improved on the defensive line, the defensive interior, I think USC's offensive line is vulnerable. Um, USC's defensive line, I mentioned, is, is very good collect, uh, uh, individually. But collectively, I think that there's some some progress to be made there for Notre Dame, especially with the double tight end stuff that we were talking about. So I, you know, it 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 could 
it, it may be very close going into the second half. It's a rivalry, and you can assume nothing in rivalry, certainly. And this one's this the greatest of them all, uh, the 74th straight meeting between Notre Dame and USC, a cross-country battle that uh, it used to they used to travel by train. So that's how long that's been going. But ultimately, I like Notre Dame. Um, to win this game, maybe not quite as high scoring as as everybody is thinking. I have Notre Dame thirty, USC twenty four. Notre Dame thirty, USC twenty four. That is Tim Priester's world famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And Tim, once again, it's a it's a little scary how much we think alike. And I really like the mental makeup of the Irish, and I think that's the key factor here. This this is a team that shows up and does their job as I expect them to do on any given weekend, and they'll do it this weekend. USC is a good team with great potential, but they're young and not as disciplined. Notre Dame is more experienced. Overall, they're just better. They're at home, and with the night game, I expect their crowd to give the Irish a boost. Turnovers will play a role in most games, and they will in this one as well, as I think the Irish will pick off one or two of those air raid passes. I'll take the Irish. 31, USC 21. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.